citizen. This is Rebecca. And Kelsey. And this week, we have Katarina Georgialis. She is DC-based. She owns a Greek bakery. And she also does farm-to-table heritage tours. She started these tours to learn more about her family heritage. And from there, she's explored different parts of the food culture in Crete, as well as some of those more vacation-y elements, like being in the water. I don't know what else people do besides food. Um, (laughs) She's done that. Yeah, I thought her her interview was actually really interesting in that she kind of plays between this like immigrant story, but also a heritage story because her dad is actually from Greece. He was born there, but she's third generation. So it was really a unique perspective, I thought. Also, what's unique about this episode is a lot of the places that she goes aren't actually existing businesses. So you can't really visit these places without her tour. And I thought that that was really cool beekeepers and you know other like agro-tourism places that aren't necessarily agro-tourism I guess like just people living and growing their own food and preparing their own food and and she shares it with her tour so it's really kind of a, a an, an experience that you couldn't get anywhere else yeah she describes it as authentic yeah and like that's the authentic kind of a producer experience Exactly. And that's a word that I feel like is thrown around a lot and it maybe doesn't even have as much meaning as we want it to. But in this case, I feel like that's really the only appropriate word to describe it because these aren't businesses. These aren't people who are making money off of their products. They're just people who have relationships with her. So I think it's going to be a great episode and I hope you enjoy it. Welcome to the podcast, Katerina. Thank you for having me. Thanks for being here. To start, could you tell us a little bit about your background and how you got into baking? Sure. I Greek American, born here in the DC area. I'm third generation on my mom's side, first on my dad's, both being Greek. And I started dabbling in the kitchen at a young age, but about eight years ago, I started to really tapped more into our heritage. I started the company with baklava and tapped into a market that I didn't know we were going to evolve. So I got into baking. It was summer of 2009. I was recently laid off of another job. I was a former interior designer and working for an architecture firm. And I just found myself much more comfortable in the kitchen than in any office environment. I started just kind of, you know, nothing trained, but just kind of did in in taking a product and doing some different things with it. And so baklava was something that I grew up with. And I just started there. About a year or so later, I had been taking some treats here and there to different parties and Christmas parties and that sort of thing. And it started to evolve into a much more regular part of my life. There was really no like formal training or anything. And the joke that I always had with myself is that I never really got into baking because baklava, you know, doesn't really involve a lot of chemistry. And so I was okay with that. Over time, I just started doing a little bit more and then really just falling in love with all types of baked goods. You said you started baking baklava, which isn't really necessarily a baked good and that it doesn't have any chemistry in it. But how did that branch out and how did that lead to other... Greek baked goods, and how did that lead to you wanting to bring people to appreciate your Greek heritage? Okay, so baklava is not necessarily something that is only a part of 
the Greek heritage. Growing up with it was sort of this, I mean, it was just kind of like a staple in the house. Most people, I think, have their chocolate chips and brownies, which I also appreciate. But we grew up with, with baklava and some other Greek treats. And so when the time came for me to explore a little bit further with it, I kind of wanted to reintroduce baklava in a new light. It was always the same flavor, always the same nuts, always the same, at least the ones that I grew up with. And I was really into gardening at the time. And I, I just started taking a lot of my herbs, like lavender and just other culinary herbs, and infusing it into the baklava to highlight some new flavors. What other types of herbs? You said lavender? Yeah, lavender, rosemary. I did a lot with chamomile and honey. Um, I loved, still do, I love pairing rosemary with chocolate. And then we started getting into some other unexpected flavors, like a basil with smoked salt, playing around with the sweet, salty, or just different flavors of baklava, really lightening up the dish a little bit. I think everyone's familiar with that big hunk of baklava you get when you sit down at a restaurant and it's just oozing with the syrup and so Mm -hmm. sweet and Mm -hmm. usually heavily spiced. And we love those things too. And I love those things too, but I was just sort of on this mission to create something different. I know at one point I was really inspired by different chocolates and this was all during like the original like cupcake boom. And I just felt like, you know, if we can do it with these other sweets, why can't we do it with baklava? I think that's really interesting that you played around with the honey and lavender. Is that something that you see in Greece where you combine the flavors with the honey? Like um, the a little bit. Like the herbs? Yeah, a li- not not necessarily the herbs that I've used, but different mm-hmm. parts of Greece really both sort of different flavorings, if you want to call them flavorings, in the syrup. And I'm not too familiar with exactly, you know, I think feel like it, it could be village to village, region to region, or even just family to right. family. Now, I know my family group, we always ended up putting a little bit of citrus zest into our syrup. There's other people that they always do a little bit of clove in their syrup or a little bit of just a couple different like spices, uh, just to sort of flavor up the the syrup. I know if you go more Eastern and even still parts of Greece, they'll use more like rose water in the syrup. And so I thought, let's, let's just, you know, let's, let's lighten it up just a little bit and maybe try some different flavors too, or just have fun with it. I'm not super familiar with Greek culture, but is baklava something that you would buy in a bakery in Greece, or is it more of like a, you make it at home, a family treat? Kind of both. The bakeries in Greece are usually split between, I mean, nowadays they're sort of a fusion of bakery and pastry, but for the most part, especially in the old world, there was definitely more of this emphasis on this bakery, which where you're going to have all of your also like your savory pies and your breads and, you know, like hearty baked goods. But then if you go into a pastry shop where you'll most likely find the baklava, there's usually a nice variety, but there's also every other type of syrup sweet. I don't know what it is with Greeks and their syrup, but we love our honey syrup. And um, I mean, it's primarily uses a like preservative, just a natural preservative. But yeah, it is something that you will find in a pastry shop. There's definitely a huge influence with surrounding countries, especially, you know, tons of influence from Turkey and, of course, different parts of Greece, whether if they're, you know, closer or further away from other baklava countries, they'll have different variations, whether it's style or nuts that are used or, you know, the way that they're presented or rolled and shaped. But it's also, there's sort of just like a classic layered pans that, you know, you would have at every celebration, especially the holidays or weddings, sort of like those, those bigger celebrations. And those would be those would be delicious home baked. Mm-hmm. 
<laughs> I know my friend makes, her family's not Greek, but her sister lived in Greece for a while. And every December for Christmas, all of us get not a huge sheet pan, but a pretty sizable <laughs> sheet pan of baklava. And I'm always covered in honey and nuts afterwards. <laughs> it's so delicious. You and just so have to learn to from- embrace it. <laughs> Yeah, For I sure. mean, what is there? Yeah. <laughs> and so from the bakery, you've also kind of expanded into heritage tours. Can you talk a little bit about your heritage tour to Greece? Yeah. So, gosh, the heritage tour is a manifestation of, of where I'd like to see the business go. Just to backtrack a smidge, about two years into, into the baklava business, we started to notice that there was a huge void in the D.C. area on Greek bakeries. There's always like the little shops or the little Greek restaurants or, you know, that will serve some stuff, but there's really no primary focus of walking in and saying, I'm in the Greek bakery right now. I've traveled quite a bit since high school, been back to Greece, I don't even know how many times. And I, there was just, there's just something about that neighborhood Greek bakery every time I would go in different places that would resonate with me. And I really wanted to start bringing that to my peers and my, you know, my, my circle here. So a couple years in, we started to really dive into other Greek baked goods. I mean, a lot of it was inspired by our customers who were saying, just like you just said about your, your friend always bringing you that tray of baklava. We had so many customers at the farmer's markets that were like, oh my gosh, I grew up with, you know, my neighbors were Greek and at Christmas we used to bring me this or my, you know, my little old lady neighbor, she was Greek and she'd bring me this like tub of cookies because we don't know how to make anything and by the dozen you do everything by like the 500 so always all these cookies and sweets and everything to to give away and customers are like do you make this and do you make that and the truth is you know we, we weren't making them for the business but i mean we just we started we started off with adding some cookies to the mix and then some cakes that were handed down from my mom's side of the family and we started becoming this like greek sweets table and then people started asking about more savory pastry so we, we kind of like jumped into this whole thing fast forward to now our, our menu currently is all types of greek baked goods i mean we, we sort of stick with like our top what people have come to love over the last few years so we're always experimenting and playing with some new things so the food tour i don't, I don't even know how it came to me but I knew a few years ago that we went that i really wanted to undergo this rebrand i mean we started the company you know, where we did. And there was just something more to it. And I said, you know, I can keep making and selling pastries and be happy that customers love it and that they want more and that there's a demand, but there was something more that I needed personally to be able to connect my heritage, my culture, my upbringing, my roots with my followers. And so I just, I don't know, I kind of just fantasized this idea of going back to Greece, but Instead of going as a traveler or visiting family, I wanted to be in charge of something. So I brought together a team of people to help me execute this food tour. I usually through the business, I speak a lot about my mom's side of the family, just because that's that's kind of the side that always like held on to a lot of tradition. Even though my dad was born and raised in Greece, I think maybe because he removed himself and started a new life here, there just seemed to have been like a lot more long-term tradition that was held on my mom's side. And so I knew a lot about my mom's side of the family, both from like where they were from and, you know, food and everything. But I really didn't know a ton about my dad's roots. And even though I'd been back to Athens and that area where he was born and raised, 
his family originally hails from Crete. So it was important to me to really tap more into that side of my family that I really just knew nothing about. So I have some cousins that still live there. And through social media, we've all like become friends again over in recent years. And I, I just reached out to them. I said, can we come and check Crete out? Because I really want to do the food tour. And I would really love to tap into my Cretan uh, culture. And so it kind of just like manifested from there. And, and the biggest mission, I think, behind it was not just to travel and eat and explore, but really to connect with with the people. And especially now, there's like this huge renaissance in Greece. I mean, the last couple of years, ever since the economic crash, that people are like really moving away. I mean, they really, a lot of them didn't have much of a choice, but moving away from their desk jobs and back out to like the rural side of, of, of the country. It kind of just went hand in hand with there's something I just needed to connect to. And I wanted to be able to do that through my business and highlight my culture on that side, but then also just really dive into learning more about all the ingredients that we love to use all the time. I mean, even though we're a bakery and of course we're using lots of butter and, and cookies and things like that, we do a ton of stuff with Greek olive oil and some other ingredients. And I just, I wanted the opportunity to be able to experience that and more importantly, experience that with some of my, my fan base, if you want to call it that. So we ended up having about a dozen customers join us on the trip. We were a rather large group. I think if we do it again in the future, we're going to shrink down quite a bit. We want to be able to attract the right people and make sure that the first tour was really going to be that hook for future tours. Picking, choosing the island Crete is was kind of like a monster within itself because the island is so huge and there's so much to do. So it was definitely a challenge, but after about 18 months of planning, we finally got it down to exactly what I wanted it to be for that first time around. And of course, it's, it's heavily focused on food and agriculture, but you can't go to Greece and not go to the beaches. You can't go to Greece and not see this and that. So we made sure we plugged some of that stuff in too. So I was curious, how does sustainability and the environment play a role in your food tour? Did you work with sustainable agriculture or did that play a role at all? So there was a huge part of the trip where we met with local cooks, uh, local farmers. We spent a day at uh, Handpicked Greece and just a family doing some amazing things on this property. And they just spending the day with them and just really learning about like everything that grows and every single thing that we made that day from, you know, down to every herb, every produce, everything was, was grown right there on the property. And so they're on this you know, mission to kind of do these like eco culinary excursions or day or a couple of weeks, little events on their property. So there definitely was this, this emphasis on agriculture and sustainable living. We focused a lot on the tour on slow living. So well, everything, it's, it's kind of funny. It's such a, I guess, the opposites of, you know, planning this, this trip and we tried to make it as eco-friendly as possible, but there was definitely this emphasis on slow living and doing things sort of the old world way, although we were transported around in a bus and that sort of thing, which was kind of funny, but just really focusing on kind of what people are doing at the core was, was the primary mission and just really exposing the group. And even, you know, me, like I learned a lot too, where learning how to use certain herbs and, you know, what grows wild on the mountains and understanding the process of the harvest and just really getting to know some of the locals that were not only growing just to produce, but they were also growing and having their cooking classes on the island. I don't know how to explain it, but there was just synergy between what I was trying to do to expose the group to, and then they were sort of on the same mission. Last night, I went down a deep dive. Have you guys heard of the Blue Zone, where there's like the most congregated amount of centenarians, so people over 100? And Greece has one of those groups. 
in Icarus. And I was looking at how do I get on the island to do food tours? Food is part of one of the reasons why they're staying so healthy at a long age. And part of that is the hiking and foraging for herbs. But what I found was it was really hard to even, because I like went pretty deep, I was like, do I just like call up people? How do I do this? So when you started devising or organizing your tour, how did you go about meeting those partners that have those shared values? About halfway through planning, we brought Irene on, Irene's with Green Loon, and we brought her on to advise us on a few things. But then it turned out that she, with her expertise, she had a connection in Greece with someone who she had worked with a few times, which we always refer to. His name was Yanni. Of course, his name was Yanni. But he, uh, he was sort of like our guy on foot there. So Yanni actually lived in Crete for half a year. And he has his own little travel not company, but he connects with a lot of the locals and local hotels and that sort of thing to, to do these excursions with people. So this was a huge, a huge jump and leap for him. And in that, you know, we had such a specific program that I was trying to put together and we set the tone for, you know, what we were trying to do. And he went out and literally interviewed, I can't even tell you how many people just to make sure that we were getting the right fit. He actually initiated a lot of the introductions between us and the local growers or cooks or whoever we were teaming up with. My husband and I made a quick trip the previous year of the tour, just was kind of like on a whim. We said, oh my gosh, if we're going to do this, I got to go. I can't just like decide off of someone's website or couldn't make that kind of decision. And so we went and we spent two days and drove everywhere. And just, you know, it really helped us solidify who we wanted to work with. So there were quite a few people involved. Planning isn't especially something at this capacity. I mean, it was it was something that I thought we could I could tackle, not necessarily by myself, but I definitely realized halfway through the process that it was important to make sure someone was there to not only introduce us to these people, but also their just other like liabilities and that sort of thing. So at this point, so we had someone on foot who was making all the trips from one place to the other and really understanding that you know, we really wanted to team up with people doing extraordinary things and connecting to the land and the sustainability was a huge factor, a decision-making factor on who we were going to work with. Who were some of the producers or types of producers you decided to work with? I know that you went to a beekeeping place, at least on the video. Yeah, so the beekeeping was one. To this day, I don't even know the name. I don't even think it's a named company. So it's Marcos is his name. We just called him Marcos the beekeeper. We had a couple of beekeepers lined up and a couple of honey companies lined up, but something just like any, like the, the joke of the tour that, you know, sometimes you just got a typical Greek culture. We went after the, the, the tourist season. We had a couple of people check out on us. It was kind of funny. And just real quick, we just had to make some quick decisions, like who are we going to use? And so Marcos came into play not that long before the tour actually started. And we're so happy he did because he literally set the tone for the entire trip. But he's someone that we, we had connected with through Yanni, and he doesn't do a ton of beekeeping. I mean, he does, he does a lot of beekeeping, but he doesn't do a ton of production. He's more just like a healthy beekeeper. And something fascinating about him and everything that he does, he's had scientists from all over the world come to his apiary, trying to understand why the colonies all around the world 
seemed to be having problems and dying off and everything, but his were just flourishing and they were thriving and growing. And obviously guess, I mean, it has to do with the environment and being in a safe environment for the bees and no pesticides and herbicides and all that stuff. So the very natural, rugged side of the island where he does all his beekeeping. He was amazing. He really, through the process of not just extracting the honey, but dancing with the bees. And how, how, how does this, like, this, this product is something that's so beneficial for us, all its nutrients and everything. So he was, he's just sort of like a passionate beekeeper. I can't say that he has a branded honey that he's selling or anything like that. I mean, you just have to go and experience him. So he was one. And then we also teamed up with I'd mentioned handpicked. So we, we teamed up with handpicked Grace, and this is a family that started doing these slow living cooking classes on their property. And again, I mean, these were just people that just after just trial and error of just reaching out to different companies, we decided to work with them. They do everything from cooking classes to they do, they dabble a little bit on actual harvesting and farming, but they also do like yoga classes on their property. And so they're, they're really finding this, this niche for tapping into, I mean, they've got travelers from all over the world that go there, but when you go, it's like the most humble, simple place. It's not, it's not some big like eco resort or the grounds can be muddy. It's a very natural, natural setup. And we really love that. That's one of the reasons we really wanted to work with them. It just seemed much more authentic. And then a few others, too. There was another woman, Eleni, and her mom. I think to this day, no one ever knows Eleni's mom's name. We're saying Eleni and her mom. They, too, were just love to cook. They have a, a property, a smaller property. It's got about 60 olive trees. The house that they all grew up in a few years ago, they just started to really tap into the tourism coming to, to Crete. Again, like the other companies, there's, there wasn't this big culinary resort destination. It was their home. They had everything set up. So it was this nice cross between they were totally prepared for groups, but then also it was just something very authentic about it. We got to tour their property as well. They've got beautiful gardens. They really go into the art of Cretan cuisine. We probably spent about six or seven hours there making dinner in the whole group. Those are just the top three as far as farmers' eco-sustainable living that we really tapped into during that tour. What is it that you want your guests to take away about Greece or Crete specifically from your tour? This first tour, we really spent a lot of time highlighting that particular island so that I could also tap into a little bit more my roots there. I would say takeaway for my guests was definitely to, not like superimposing it, but also just throwing all of us in. I think we're all living this constant fast-paced energy all the time. There's always meal planning and this and that and, you know, get to work on time. And and I think it was just a really nice opportunity for me to be on the same page with my customers at a pace that was slower, much more patient. There's something, you know, I don't know if you guys ever heard the term Greek time, but we all kind of live by it. We're always on our own little clock here. And I feel like that was besides the importance of sustainability and slow living and farming and, and all of that, it was definitely this just as important to just chill out for a little bit. And while that's something that I think most people feel when they travel, there's there's something about Greek culture and especially Cretan culture is a little bit different than the rest of the country. And it's very hard to pinpoint exactly what that is, but it's almost like that East Coast, West Coast mentality difference, or even on the island, there's there's such a huge difference between the northern part of the island and the southern part of the island. And so I think it was just really important for people to tap into parts of that island or even just parts of the country as a whole are doing things 
in this very old world, authentic way. And so I think the biggest takeaway was that just slowing it down a little bit, really appreciating the process that of takes a little while to make a proper meal. And everyone, I mean, everyone, I think, was just blown away by the flavors and how simple a lot of the ingredients were, like very simple, just, you know, like your herbs and your olive oils and your, your spices, but just very, very simple food preparation. Even though some of it took a long time, there was definitely this thinking specifically of this one day when we were at Eleni's house, there was this, we just stuck grape leaves and some other vegetables, but we used the same filling in each of these. And so at first I was like, oh man, like this isn't very, this isn't very involved. We're using the same filling, you know, across like four or five different vegetables and leaves. And then in the end, everything just ended up coming out tasting so, so different because the vegetables that we used were so intensely flavored that I think that we all miss out on a lot here in the States. We're big farmers market shoppers and, you know, we appreciate that local produce and, and what the seasons bring and everything being ripe and seasoned and at its full flavor. But there's something about the Greek terrain and the Greek climate and land that I don't know what it is, but the, the, the produce just comes out so much more concentrated in flavor. And so I think that was another thing that just really wanted people to be able to remember and appreciate. So what's next for the farm to table heritage tour? Do you think you'll go to other islands or do you want to keep on building up those relationships in Crete? Quick answer is yes, we are going to do more tours. Sort of not quick answer is I want to be able to focus more on different regions, different villages, different ingredients. There's something, like people just always associate oregano and lemon as Greek ingredients. I'm like, there's so much more. And so we really want to be able to tap into these different parts of the country and say like, hey, you know, the island of such and such is known for this. We would set up these tours maybe two, maybe three times a year. I don't know where we would have these mini excursions. And so instead of the group traveling all together, it would be more this month where we'll be on this island for a few days and join us to learn more about the specific ingredient or what the locals are doing with it or the extraction method of it or, you know, whatever it is that that, that, that ingredient or that, that topic is about. It doesn't always have to be just ingredient focused. But I think naturally and anywhere you go in Greece, you're going to be immersed in the culture and the daily living um, no matter where you are. So we are looking into more options. I kind of like my top five already in my head. I don't, you know, and, I, and I'm pretty sure where we're going to start, but it's a little bit more of like a twist off of what the last tour was. The last tour was just like so all-encompassing, a little bit overwhelming. I mean, it was great. Um, and I'm saying, I'm speaking from a planner's perspective, not from the customer's perspective, but I think that there's just something more important for me that I really want to be able to tie more to really diving into what product or what ingredient or what technique or something like, you know, something along those lines is is true to that particular village or town or region or wherever we want to tackle. I definitely would love to do some pastry tours up in the north. I've never been to the northern part of Greece and are known for all their baked goods. And so that's one location that I'm really looking at. We're really looking at the island Hios, which is where my mom's side of the family is from. And Hios produces uh, masticha, which is a Greek tree sap, or tree sap, excuse me, that comes from um, a tree that grows there. And it's used culinarily, medicinally, it's used like in many different applications. So I really would love to tap in there. And then there's a few other places as well that I've got my eye on. So hopefully in the future, we can get folks to sign up in smaller groups, maybe three to five people while we're doing these little mini. And we haven't figured out all the logistics yet, but you're already traveling to Greece or you're already traveling to that part of the world. You can always meet us for a few days. Amazing. Is there anything that you can tell us about the future of your bakery? 
we're undergoing a rebrand. It's been in the works for a couple of years, actually. And without saying too much, for the last four years, I've been wanting to actually change the name of the company for numerous reasons. But the biggest one is we aren't just doing baklava anymore. And I think while that was a great stepping stone, we are definitely on to a name change in the very near future. It's something that really taps more into my roots, my personal roots. It tells a wonderful story. And it also really ties into the future of whether it's tours or just connecting back to Greece and my roots. So where can our listeners find these changes? We are currently at baklavacouture.com. We'll redirect everyone when the name change happens. So don't worry, you can still go to that, that URL. So it's baklavacouture.com or baklavacouture on Instagram. Well, thank you so much. You're welcome, ladies. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the culinary citizen today before you leave your podcast listening platform please give us a review we'd love to hear what you think you can also reach us at culinarycitizen.com otherwise until next time